Welcome to Noble Warrior. My name is C.K. Lin. Noble Warriors will interview thought leaders and practitioners about their journey from being a burnout warrior to a noble warrior and reclaim their joy and purpose so you can do the same. My next guest is the co-founder of 1-800-Dentist. He is an Amazon and Wall Street Journal bestselling author. He's a speaker and an executive coach. His new book, Super Bold, from underconfident to charismatic in 90 days. Please welcome Fred Joy. Thanks for having me, CK. I'm excited to talk about uh, boldness. It's important for people when they hear super bold, sometimes they don't hear the D and they think I'm talking about <laughs> football. Uh, so I always remember, remind them, super bold. It's about super boldness. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, I'm an immigrant, so sometimes I lose the whatever the last syllable <laughs> is. Thank you for that enunciation. Very important. I want to actually first bring us back to how you and I met. Okay. You and I, we met in person at a polar bear plunge where we submerge ourselves in a frozen lake for eight minutes straight. Yes. <laughs> so you don't just talk about being bold. You are a biohacker. You, you test yourself in different ways. Um, um, so why don't we start there? Have you always been this way, a seeker, uh, someone who pushes himself to expand his comfort level? I wasn't always. And I, I, I think it, I, part of it was my shyness uh, and, and that affected all of my underconfidence. And, and it made me critical of all sorts of things, which was not helpful. And I eventually became a person who said, why not instead of why? And it was a big shift for me, including jumping in a lake in the middle of winter. Uh, which seems foolish to the average person. And, and while you're in there, it, sometimes it seems a little foolish because <laughs> I was looking at my watch and my heart rate was just going up and up and up. But mm. then you, when you climbed out of the water, there was this incredible rush of, of energy as, as the body the, re-energizes the capillaries who have all retreated from this disaster that they're experiencing. <laughs> um, and it, once again, it was, yeah, when I say yes, something unusual, unexpected happens more often than not. And it took me a long time to get there. And but being here, it's it's transformed my life more than wealth, more than success. Uh, just being able to just boldly go out into the world and say yes and try new things and meet new people that mm. that's changed everything for me. So so I want to make a parallel comparison to what you're talking about being bold and our experience at the lake. I don't think they're too dissimilar at all. Actually, I think they're very comparable to each other because in the moments when the cold is there, the instinct is to get out, right? Especially when the numbness comes in, especially when, you know, when the heart rate, it's there and then you realize like, oh my God, you know, the, the, we, we were never going to die, but the idea would flash in front of, you know, in the mind, our, our brain is programmed to help us survive. So I think it's very similar at a situation where, let's say, public speaking, right? We're going to die out of, <laughs> we're going to get excommunicated 
or or getting kicked out or gonna really embarrass themselves we're gonna die from shame or whatever the thing how do you uh stay in that discomfort in that in that in those micro moments when the brain is going crazy and is saying get out get out get out get out whatever you can get out so much of your personal growth comes from insights that you have. And one of the key insights is exactly about this, is that the, the brain reacts to psychological danger the same way it reacts to physical danger. So that feeling in the ice cold water is like, I'm going to die. I've got to get, this has got to stop. I, I'm way too uncomfortable. That's the same thing that happens to people in areas where they're, underconfident. Now, it could be on stage is the most typical ones because people are terrified of public speaking. Mm. Uh, and 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 they they get on stage, their their memory disappears, they sweating <laughs> profusely, their armpits are soaked, they're a lot of them are trembling and they almost can't speak. They they get tongue tied. Uh but they can't remember what they wanted to say. They they and they they radiate that panic discomfort but mm -hmm. it's your body saying there's danger there's no danger you're and, and and you can't stay in it just like you stay in the water you say wow i, I stayed in for two minutes i can stay for five uh -huh. i thought i could at 30 seconds you say i gotta get the hell out uh -huh. right at five minutes you say i think i could do eight it was it's really bizarre but uh -huh. but it's about how do you build your boldness muscle? You build it by being uncomfortable, by mm. putting yourself in situations where you say, wow, I actually didn't die. Uh, actually, nothing bad happened unless I decide to call it bad. I mean, people, I didn't do a great job of speaking, but it's it's in the wind. I, I love that, you know, the, the thing that, that taught me the most about this thinking in this insight was stand-up comedy because I, I did it for a while, but a, mm -hmm. a good friend of mine got me into it. And he made this really important point, which he said, you know what, whether you kill it on stage or you die, it's in the wind, it's mm -hmm. over. And they're mm -hmm. going to forget most of what you said. And he mm -hmm. said, so stop being attached to the experience of uh, 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 the outcome that you want to measure and just enjoy the experience of putting yourself out there and trying to make people laugh. Mm. And it mm. was, it was a big shift because I could take that and go to public speaking with prepared material that I didn't have to make people laugh every 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was easy by comparison. And, and, and but also I, I had the insight, like I, I'm going to feel a certain way, but I can take that discomfort and turn it into energy. And, mm. and it's just that you, you realize it becomes a choice after a while to, to embrace the discomfort and say, yeah, it's really not that bad. And, and I'm kind of getting used to it. And I've done it with people. I've put them on, you know, in, I, in my workshops, I put them on stage. And by the third time they say, wow, it's, it's noticeably easier already to be on mm -hmm. stage. And I said, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. you can't stay in the panic mode when there's no danger. Your mm -hmm. brain eventually says, all right, fine. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, there's a lot of gems there. Um, yeah. So uh, as you were speaking about the, the nervousness of getting on stage, 
I recall myself being frozen in front of, I think it was a hundred people delivering a speech for a Toastmaster contest. Mm -hmm. I just blanked out. I forgot. I know where I wanted to go, but I forgot the segue. So I literally yeah. froze there. It, what it felt like millennium, like, <laughs> yeah, I literally just, there's a silence. <laughs> and then, and then finally, the segue I came up with was, "Oh, you boggled my mind!" And the whole room just like erupted into a huge laughter. And then yeah. I live, obviously, and but it was such a cathartic release. Um, well, I was able it, to turn it, that moment into a teaching moment, a, a laughter moment for. Yeah, well, it, it humanized you too because they admired you for going up on stage because they don't want to. They are afraid of that. They may want to, but they're terrified of it. So the fact that you're doing it, they already admire you. When you when something goes wrong, they just say, oh my gosh, he's, he's just like me. Now I would panic if that happened and I would try to get off the stage or something. I would try to find a way to hide. And mm -hmm. you just stay in it and say, yep, my mind's a blank right now. Uh, I'm, I'm going to think of something interesting to say. If you'll just uh -huh. uh, just hang on there. Oh, wait, <laughs> here comes something. And they just, they'll, as you said, they, they just laugh. You know, mm -hmm. I, I had a friend of mine. She, she broke a high heel on stage, mm. uh, which as a woman is like horrifying. The, mm -hmm. the women in the audience were like, oh, my gosh. And she looks down at her shoes, kicks them off. And says, I guess I got to start spending more than $30 on shoes. <laughs> right? Where instead of making it a horrific moment, she owns them. Because yeah. she decided to not make it a bad thing. She made it a funny thing. And she delivered the, next, the rest of the speech bare, barefoot. And everybody came up after and said, I can't believe you just laughed that off. You blew my mind when you did that. Well, she I just made so, a choice. So... My style, we're going to go wherever the conversation goes. If we, if I veer off too much, let me know, okay? This reminds me of why... So Noble Warrior is an expression of who I am. I love Spartan Rays, polar bear uh, plunges, plant medicine. You know, I purposefully put myself in discomfort for the sake of my personal growth and development. You know, Toastmaster, public speaking, all these things. Yeah. So, um, so, so one of my biggest uh, pivot about my personal development is in the area of joy. You know, only joy is the new mantra that I have, right? And 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 how do I stay in the intensity of whatever situation I'm in, physical, social, you know, psychological intensity, and then just keep repeating back the mantra: only joy, only joy, only joy. And, uh, and, and I love that, you know, uh, that you just gave that example of this woman, make a joke out of it, may light up the situation. Can you say a little bit more about, you know, cause joy is literally in your name. So <laughs> yes, it is. how do you, uh, what, what's your relationship with that word joy and how, what's, what's your, yeah. What's your interpretation of that word joy for you? Uh, it's something I learned to embrace because it would, it would happen in moments. Mm -hmm. And then I realized like, like boldness, like choosing to be discomfort, uncomfortable. These are, there's choices. There's always an either or in life. And, it, and it, you, so many 
people say, I'm angry. I, I can't help it. Well, yes, you can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can take three breaths. You can shut up, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to react. The, the, the great quote from Viktor Frankl is the, that, that pause between stimulus and reaction is where all the growth happens. Mm-hmm. You cannot say anything when you're angry mm-hmm. and give it time and say what you really want to say. Sometimes it's like it's like an email. You write this angry email, write it, just don't hit send. Mm-hmm. See if you want to send it tomorrow. I guarantee you, you won't want to send it tomorrow. So I started to realize this thing about myself because I'm, I'm on, on a constant path of self-awareness is... I allow myself to get irritated about little things all over the place. And I thought the only person suffering from this irritation is me, the Mm -hmm. person or the thing who's irritating me, the driver or the person in line or whatever, they don't know or care that they're Mm -hmm. irritating me. So I've decided I've chosen to be irritated by this thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas I could choose to say, wow, uh, that's really loud music or that's, you know, or, or I can hear this person chewing from three tables away or whatever. <laughs> and, and just say, isn't that interesting that that I would let that bother me and I can mm-hmm. choose not to. So uh, in that, so in that moment, what do you say to yourself when you notice, Oh, my irritation is flaring up. Someone cut me off and somebody's smacking their mouth while chewing or the plane got delayed whatever the setback is, you didn't go against, uh, according to your plan. What do you do in that moment? I tell myself that I'm punishing myself by being mm. irritated. Mm. I have to remind, I have to come at it from that side. I can't just say, cheer up, Fred. Uh, or, <laughs> but, but that allows me to transition to something positive around me, something to be joyful about. It's like, wow, I am in a car doing 70 miles an hour. I'm moving through space. I have Mm -hmm. 300 horses at my disposal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Whereas 100 years ago, people had one. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's pretty different. Um, And it's just where does my attention go? If I want to focus on the thing that irritates me, I could stay irritated. Or I could Mm -hmm. say, you know, that guy cut me off probably in a hurry. I, mm-hmm. I could choose, I could change the meaning of it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and a lot of times that's the easiest thing to do is say, look, um, my reaction is an interpretation of, mm-hmm. oh, this guy's, this, he's driving like an asshole. And we're like, really? Mm-hmm. Or, or is he just not paying attention or is he in a hurry or is he about to lose his job? It's like, there's 20 reasons why he could have cut me off. 10 of them are selfish and 10 of them are, you know, his problem. Why not choose a different one? Since mm-hmm. I'm never going to meet the guy anyway, and all I'm doing is punishing myself by being irritated. Mm-hmm. I would like to stop punishing myself. I would mm-hmm. like to feel good. I would like to change the chemical flow in my body. Um, mm-hmm. I'm about to be arrested apparently here. The, no, uh, <laughs> or, no, or rescue. Said, or rescue. Rescue, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, for punishing myself. Uh, I've, I've called an ambulance. To, I've punished myself so much. I need a new colon, you know. So, so that's, that's my process and it's, it has made me a calmer, much more patient person. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
because I, I, you know, the other thing about being irritable is you're impatient. Mm -hmm. Uh, they, they, they work hand in hand in a negative way. Uh, you know, especially if you're impatient about things completely out of your control, (laughs) which is what we do a lot of the time is like, this is, you know, the plane's not going to leave until the mechanic is happy fixing the plane. And you really don't want to fly in a plane that the mechanic is not ready to let fly. So sitting there being impatient is really dumb and really, uh, you know, self-abuse again. So, so I've, I've learned it, it's it's been amazing to experience that. So I'm going to push you a little bit. OK, so so in the moment, those microaggressions or irritations, when it's little, we can use these mantras, thought pattern interruptions as a way to bring us back to equanimity, centeredness. It's a sign of maturity. Right to be able to lengthen that space between stimulus and response, as you quoted Victor Frankl earlier. But there are moments where, um, you know, somebody punch you in the face. Let's just say, like, boom! Right, your body reacts, the defense mechanism goes up. You know, the adrenaline starts going, and 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 those mantras or uh, breath uh, may not be sufficient during those moments when somebody punching the gut verbally or physically when that yeah. happened, what do you, or, or when social anxiety flares up? Cause one thing you didn't mention a group of people who really appreciate your book are those with social anxiety, right? Yeah. So, so in those moments when the body is going, what can they do to uh, bring themselves back to groundedness and equanimity and neutral centeredness? I think you you need to be able to allow a reaction. Mm-hmm. You can, I mean, you, there some some things that somebody punches you or somebody insults you, you're gonna have a reaction, and mm-hmm. you and so allow yourself to have the, it, the feel the reaction. Just don't externalize the reaction mm-hmm. necessarily. If mm-hmm. you could just if if you can grab just a few seconds, and not necessarily do and say do i really want to punch this guy back do i really want (laughs) to exchange blows with this person Mm -hmm. because i do right now Mm -hmm. will i still want to in 10 minutes and if you if you can just say wow that guy i'm 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 ready to nail him one uh (laughs) and and but will i still want to in a minute in 10 minutes and sometimes you won't sometimes you'll start swinging and what what's important is after that happens after you get in the fight really be keenly aware of how you feel after 10 minutes a Mm -hmm. half an hour a day later Mm-hmm. don't ignore how you feel because you don't feel good about that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Don't, don't let yourself, and that's going to inform the next time we we are all f- flawed individuals stumbling through life, but mm-hmm. we elevate ourselves to a noble warrior by getting control of that, by remembering how it felt to to make that choice and it didn't feel right. It didn't feel, it wasn't who I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. 
that's mm-hmm. that's that to me is the, the the noblest pursuit is am I as much as possible being who I want to be mm-hmm. rather than being just being a ball of reactions and and mm-hmm. and and define who you want to be. If you say, look, I, I'm the guy that nobody, I, I stand up to everybody, you know, and I give everybody a piece of my mind. And it's like, nobody's taking advantage of me. It's like, how does that actually feel mm-hmm. that you're in that state? Mm-hmm. Do you, you know, it's somehow empowering to you, but actually it's all fear-based. You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're feeling, you don't feel good about yourself. And so you're trying to empower yourself in some way you're trying to feel better about yourself but it's was, not you, you took the wrong direction yeah what so rather than talking about theoretical because it's easy to talk theoretical is there any personal stories where you you have found hey i was you know not being confident i was you know leaning into cowardice more but i, I want to be more confident i want to lean to more boldness and you make it you know in that moment make a decision like I'm going to change my life. Is there any personal story we can illustrate this point? There's, there's so much that I do now that are, that I almost as a boldness exercise mm-hmm. to, to put myself in discomfort and, and build by my boldness muscle that uh, it's, it's hard to think of them in, in recent times because the, when I do it and it's a failure, it's like, Oh, that was a fail. Big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that ability to sort of savor the failure and say, yeah, nah, it didn't, didn't go that well, but there, but there's certainly been a number of times where uh, I didn't speak up, you, you know, and, uh, when I really should have, or, or, or really wanted to, and, and. Uh, the the thing that sticks in my mind and it was years ago but it sticks in my mind is i i was not able to give my father a eulogy at the mm. funeral because at the time the catholic church wouldn't let anybody speak except the priest and the altar boys uh, or somebody who was going to read a, a reading from the new testament you couldn't get up and say anything in the church mm. and Today, I would say, yeah, I'm going to read the epistle from St. Louis or something like that. And I would get up and read it. And then I would say what the heck I wanted to say. Mm-hmm. And if they want to throw me out, try and throw me out. But most of the time, I'm going to get it all out before somebody realizes it. You know why? Because that's the most important thing in mm-hmm. my mind is to be able to say how I felt about this person. Mm. And I, I watched my, it's so interesting because I watched years later, I watched my cousin do exactly that at a Catholic funeral for his mom. He just, mm. he did a reading and then he went on and talked about his mom. Mm. And that's all that anybody remembered from mm. that day. They did not remember whether they, they, you know, the priest, you know, blessed them or that the, the epistle from St. Paul was meaningful or not. They 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 were all dialed into him saying that and that that experience of not doing that mm. that informs so many of my actions because mm. it's like never that the these things happen and i say never again i am mm. never going to be that guy 
who hesitates, who talks himself out of it, or lets somebody else make me conform. Because most of the time when you conform, somebody else benefits, not you. It's, it's, a, it's a, a, a phenomenal paradox. But most of the rules in life that are not about protecting people are to get you to conform and you don't benefit at all. And I'm, so I'm always checking that now. Mm, I love that. While you're speaking on the Noble Warrior podcast and to an audience of creators and entrepreneurs and rebels. So uh, definitely this is a muscle that we consciously, unconsciously are you know, cultivating over here. Um, it's really painful, at least for me, I can speak for you, but for me, if I wanted to say something, either one, I chicken out, or two, I didn't have the language to say what I really wanted to say, or three, I say something, but it didn't quite land it the way I wanted to land, and people like turn it the total opposite uh, of my intention. Yeah, it's it's really painful. So, um, yeah, so I, I love this message of like leaning in, just say whatever you you want to say, and then you know, ask for forgiveness later if the institution doesn't agree with you. And I've asked for forgiveness. I've said things. I've, I've been in the moment where I say, I want to say something and I say it and it doesn't come out right or it doesn't land right. Mm. And I'll, I'll, what I've learned to do instead of letting it gnaw at me for the rest of my life, because I didn't fix it is right then in the moment, I'm say, I'll say, I'm really sorry. I don't know why the hell I said that, but it's not the way I wanted to say it. And I, and I, I see that I see your reaction to it and I don't blame you. Mm -hmm. Forgive me. Let me see. Do you, do you mind if I try to say what I actually meant? Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's transformational to do that mm -hmm. because it says, I, I know I'm not perfect. Sometimes I say the wrong things. Sometimes with the best of intentions, I say the wrong things. Sometimes with the worst of intentions, I say the wrong things either way. I want to catch my, I don't want to let that linger forever with that person. And I don't want to carry it around forever anymore. I want mm -hmm. to, I, I want to forgive myself and I want to ask forgiveness from them. I love that you're doing the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that's a trained muscle that you have done in so many, okay, I'll make it personal. So in the beginning, during my own transformational journey, I would, kick myself and not saying certain things. And I would think about it for a long time. And maybe a week later, I'm like, I should have said that thing. <laughs> and these days, you know, obviously shorter and shorter. And then through actually the podcast, I'm now able to say what I wanted to say in a much shorter time through training. So I'm curious to know, was it a process for you as well in terms oh, of yeah. we, being able we to... We all think that we should know how to interact with people automatically. Whereas... We get training to get a driver's license. We get training to, to, you know, fly a plane. We get training to do math, right? We don't, why do we don't think we could suddenly do geometry, but, you know, we'd come up with Pythagoras's theorem by ourselves, but we think we know all these social skills. It takes practice just like anything else. I, 
you know, when I hesitate and I don't say something, I realize I need to be prepared to say something and I need to start saying the wrong thing until I say the wrong, the right thing. And it, you know, just like if you decide you want to start talking to strangers, which is one of the things I recommend to build your boldness muscle is talk to a stranger every day. The easiest way is to just compliment them. Now, mm. what you're going to do when you start is you're going to be awkward. You're going to be clumsy. You're going to come off weird. But you know what? It's in the wind. It's a strange. You have no agenda except to compliment them. That's really the key. When you when you do these kind of things, when you have no agenda, you're not worried about the failure or the success or anything. You're practicing. You mm. know, the, when, I, when I'm doing curls, I have no agenda except failure. I am going to curl till I fail. So I build my boldness muscle the same way. I'm, mm. I am going to try stuff till I fail and go like, okay, now, now I know what I need to improve. But so just let, being let, able let, to... let's zoom in on that real quick. Okay. Do you do, so I, I love that because especially for the overachievers listening, they may say, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to achieve this outcome, get a number or get a smile, whatever the thing is. But what you're saying is not that. What you're saying is you do it for the sake of just doing it. Don't worry about the outcome. You you do it for the sake of doing it. Yes. Yes. The if if and, and this is a, a social skill. And mm -hmm. again, we have to learn this stuff because, especially, let's say you're a real estate broker and you've been told you got to you got to meet hundred people a month. Uh, so you're out there going, I got to meet them. They got to know I'm a real estate broker. They got, I got to find out if they're ready to sell the house. I got to find out what the house is. Well, I got to like, that's what I need to talk to them about. People can smell an agenda on you in about a second and a half, whether you're mm -hmm. trying to pick up a woman or you're trying to sell them something or get their contact information or whatever, uh, they can smell it. So abandon it. Make the, the only outcome you're looking for is connection. Mm. When you do that, everything else, it, it happens magically because mm. now it's just like, uh, I, I, I always liken this to being in high school because high school was such a, a, a clumsy, shy, traumatic experience for me. But girls could smell that you were desperate. They could tell. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's what, when you have an agenda, that's what people are figuring out is you have something to get from them. When your only goal is to connect with them, maybe your only goal is to make them feel good about themselves. Say, mm -hmm. you know, that, that, that beard looks great on you. Uh, or, and you'll, and you'll get so good at doing it like when I do it as a drive-by, I say like, I'm not doing it to start a conversation. I am literally giving a compliment and then I'm gone. Mm -hmm. And you can see the reaction on people's faces because they, they just take it in and you mm -hmm. get, you get creative about it. Cause at first you want to compliment something like you see an attractive woman, you say, you're really beautiful. Okay. She hears that a lot. Yeah. Compliment her on her shoes, on her handbag. All of a sudden, she spent a lot of time picking those things out. You come mm -hmm. up with some, something else to say. I, I've evolved it to the, uh, you know, because, of course, I'm irritated by everything. Uh, <laughs> if, if, if I see something weird on somebody that I mm -hmm. have a judgment about, mm -hmm. I make myself compliment them mm -hmm. on that one thing. If I think their purple hair looks ridiculous, 
I am going to say that hair is really working for you. It looks amazing. And you know what? It changes my judgment of them. And they clearly have purple hair for a reason. So mm-hmm. it makes them feel good. You know, whatever the heck it is. If I think people have, a, you know, way too many tattoos, I'll say that ink looks amazing. And it allows me to get rid of my judgment at the same time as I make them feel better about myself. But this is a life skill. This is this is okay. Okay. So so this is Noble Warrior again. So we talk a lot about warrior spirit. Yeah. So that warrior spirit, what my interpretation, what you're saying is leaning to your judgment, not not. Let's see. Maybe that's that came out wrong. Let me rephrase. You don't have to apologize. So I was not hurt by that. Yeah. Not apologizing, (laughs) just rephrasing. Yeah. Refinement, right? Precision. That's what we're about. Mm-hmm. So, um, what was I? All right. So whenever you notice your judgment, rather than going with it, you are, um, doing the total opposite because you notice that's a bias, that's a judgment. So you're taking action as a way to refine, to polish, to hone your, your own self. So then you can come back to neutrality. Did, did I interpret what you say? correctly? Yes, because. If, you're, if your goal is connection, we're going to tie this together now. If your goal is connecting and you have a judgment, the insight that you develop is that 98% of the time, your judgment is wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so, because once you get to know anybody, we're all flawed human beings bumbling through life, trying to, trying to find our way. And when you can offer something positive to somebody that you had a negative thing about there's a double healing going on right you've elevated them and you fix yourself because Mm. that what i've learned the more i connect with people i have i have met people that i have like a like six judgments about them based Mm. on their shirt and their their hair and who they're with and and everything and then if I engage them, I'll find out I am wrong about everything. And I've done mm. it so much that I don't trust my, my drive-by judgments at all. Mm. I say, and that's why I want to reverse it because I, I've been wrong. My insight mm. is, I, we, and, we're, and, I, and they're doing it too. They're having judgments about me. Mm. And so I don't have to take on their hostility or rejection or rudeness or anything. They're mm. having a judgment about the about me that may or may it's based on my hair. You know, it's mm. based on my shoes. It's based on on my teeth. <laughs> Who the heck knows? Maybe my nose seems too big for them and they hate people with big noses and they don't even know why. I, mm. They're doing it, too. So I let it go. I don't have to take on their behavior towards me because it's not accurate. If somebody rejects me, mm. I don't have to believe I'm a bad person or an unworthy person. I could just say they don't know me. Mm. So I I have a question for you, Fred, and and here, because you actually quoted Lao Tzu in your book. I think one of the first lines in the chapter is, yeah, I can't remember exactly what the quote is, but when yeah, I, I let go of who that's I right. am, that's right. I discover who I can become. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, so I, I assume you appreciate the yin and the yang of things in life. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Good. So there's times for action. You're obviously very 
bias towards action, you want to take action. And there are times for stillness, contemplation, surrendering. So, so can you elucidate for us? Because on the surface, if I just read a book, I was like, oh, Fred is all about action, action, action. Can you tell us a little bit about the time for stillness, for contemplation, for inaction? I, I think that because I'm basically a bold introvert, mm -hmm. that I, there are there are a lot of time that I am alone. Because mm -hmm. as a writer, you have to spend time alone. Mm -hmm. But as a writer, you also have to learn to collaborate. You have to learn mm -hmm. to work with an editor. You have to learn to let people read and critique your stuff. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're just writing for yourself. Mm -hmm. So there are there are times when i find myself racing in two or three directions mm -hmm. mentally or in terms of activity and i've learned to give myself permission to just stop and say let let, let the the roller coaster run without me for a while mm -hmm. um and and again it's it's that same thing as 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 acquiring patience acquiring calmness which you know really understanding the power of breath and mm -hmm. and uh the, the the power of meditation i mean i learned i was lucky enough to learn meditation in the 70s and mm. it and it just I'm, I'm in a i can be in a situation i could be on a on a loud bus let's say or a subway and i can drop into a meditation in 30 seconds uh, because I've I've done it so much and I and I can and that may only grab five or ten minutes but my appreciation for stillness came before my appreciation for boldness mm. and so uh, it's always it, it, you know it, and I've, I've never thought about how that it's a nice stack to have um but it, you know, I see a lot of people that are just, they're like in, in mad pursuit of everything and they, they never stop for, for a moment of calmness or stillness or self-reflection. Um, and it, it actually diminishes your creativity. If you're an mm -hmm. entrepreneur, if you're not giving yourself the space to not think about your problems at some point, almost every day, then you won't solve a lot of those problems because when you stop thinking about it, you say, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to think about any of this stuff. I'm going to, I'm going to just get some other input or I'm going to get no input. We live in a world of unlimited input. You know, mm -hmm. how many people, you know, the, the last thing they do is, you know, scroll through Instagram and the first thing they do when they get up, they like, they never stop with the input. I, I learned early the value of no input for mm. some, for, for, to create balance in life. And which is why, you know, the other thing that happens when you now with that, you couple that with boldness, there's a, a humility that comes with being super bold because you realize there's always more that you can do and your awareness just constantly increases and you just say, okay, I, I experienced something. Now I can reflect on it. 
What is there's always something in the experience to, that requires reflection, whether you journal about it or you meditate on it or you have a coach that you talk to about it, that mm -hmm. all of those things allow you the power of reflection instead of like constant forward motion uh, and activity. A lot of times activity is a way to hide from self-awareness. Mm. And if you got to find out if that's what you're doing. Mm. What you just said right there, that is a key nugget. I, I love that. Can you double click on that? Hiding yeah. behind, being busy, hiding behind activities, hiding behind, you know, go, 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 go. Hiding behind activity uh, is a way of avoiding being self-aware or avoiding self-reflection. Mm. Um, any specific personal stories or client stories that you can help illustrate that? Like how, how and then, then let me contextualize this question a little bit, perhaps give you some time to think about this is overachievers like to consume input because they think more, 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 more activities, more input equals better throughput. Reality, yeah. you know, it's the yin and the yang, right? You got to take action and then contemplate you know, uh, rejiggle the, um, the mind and how you think about it and then take new action accordingly versus using the same mindset, keep taking the same action. Then you're going to just keep having the same results. If you yeah. want to keep growing and, and, and up spiraling, you know, uh, contemplation and action to me is, it's a great way to think about the inhale and the exhale. Yeah. And it, there's, there's so much, so many directions I can go with this. I, I remember this story of this, this very famous advertising guy from the sixties. His name is David Ogilvy. Mm -hmm. uh, and he, he ran uh, one of the most creative agencies in, mm -hmm. in the sixties. And he had a little note that he kept in his pocket all, all the time. And it, the note said simply, I might be wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's, there's a lot of that, you, you know, especially in this polarized world that we live in, you know, when I'm in a conversation with somebody with pretty much the opposite political views, I'm willing to sit there and say, I might be wrong about how I see this. I want to know how you see it rather than saying, I've got all the answers about why you're not right. I want to know why you think that way. But I see a lot of people terrified of being wrong, of changing their minds. Look at look at how bad it is for a politician to flip flop. Right. It's like a career ending thing. It's like, no, no. Why don't I want a leader who can change his mind when he gets more information? When she that is a very new. that is a very definition of learning. Yes, yes. The very definition of learning and growth is you change your mind based on new data coming in. Yes. Yeah. And all of science is based on that. It's like this was true until we found out something that was more true or completely different. That's right. Um, and so uh, I, I think it's so easy to to ignore that very simple thing that odds are you're not 100 percent right, whether you're arguing with your spouse or uh are, are you know making recommend I, making recommendations on the stock market or something like that like and and but people do it in, in politics and religion the two things that are entirely based on beliefs 
There's almost nothing factual about either of them. You, the things that people believe in their faith are beliefs. They're not facts, okay? There is no video of Moses coming down with the, the, the Ten Commandments. So we believe that it happened something like that uh, and that God inspired him. But it's all belief. It didn't, there's, there's nothing factual about it. And, this, and when you say, oh, when George Bush does this, it's, it's, you know, it's going to end America. It's like you believe that. But it's not, there's nothing factual. And the worst thing is when it turns out not to be true, people don't reflect on that and say, not only I might be wrong, I actually was wrong. <laughs> you know, they, don't, they don't let the input in because the confirmation bias has become such a strong feature of our society at this point. But that the liberating and, and the other direction I could end up going into is how perfectionism keeps us from doing things. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, like I can't, I can't, like if I, I wanted to do stand-up comedy, I would say, no, I got to have thirty minutes of rock-solid material before I'll take the stage. Yeah, I got to be so, Dave Chappelle before I step onto stage from right, day one. Which is mm-hmm. even Dave Chappelle doesn't do that. He says, I'm going to uh-huh. go up and try this half-finished joke and see if I can finish it. Mm-hmm. Right. That's how. That's how all those guys work. Chris Rock goes in at one in the morning into these New York clubs and tries stuff out. And over the course of a year, he develops 90 minutes of incredibly strong material. Perfectionism is an excuse for not acting mm-hmm. until you, until you, I, oh, I don't want to do karaoke because I, I don't, I don't have a perfect voice. I haven't picked out the perfect song and practice it. Do these other people seem like they're practiced? They're like they're, they just had enough drinks where they're willing to try to get up and sing, you know, an ACDC song. It's, you know, that, so. so- so Perfectionism is a real trap. It's a it's a trap for introverts. It's a trap for the unbold. Yep. Great. I'm a recovering perfectionist. So let me ask you a, a pointed question there. I'm right? CK and I'm recovering perfectionist. Yeah, I'm a recovering per- perfectionist. When I'm when I'm unconscious, I lean towards more preparation. My excuse is let me rationalize. I got to prepare. Da, da da da. Right. And then I don't take enough action. So to me there's a real polarity or tension there. And then for me is to find a sweet spot in the middle, right? Preparation, enough preparation, but not too much. Enough action, but not too much, right? So that's that, that synergy between the two. So, so how do you, what's your mental model about preparing, but not preparing too much? Taking action, but not just foolish in taking action without updating your operating system. Does that make sense? How do you, yeah. you know, find the, sweet spot in the middle i have found that i i like being somewhat unprepared mm. um i don't like being not prepared is is just dumb right <laughs> like, um and that's one of the steps i have five steps to how you mm-hmm. do your boldness exercises in my book and the first step is preparation but it's preparation to step in and probably be uncomfortable is preparation, knowing you could fail in some of the exercises, it's preparation to deliberately fail, to just, to just go so far into something that you're assuming this isn't going to work. And if it works, you're shocked and surprised and you're and rewarded, but you're aiming for failure. But 
what, oh, interesting. What Wait, hold on. So you're <laughs> interesting. So you you prepare enough knowing that you are underprepared, that yeah. you're most likely gonna fail. That's I what want, you like. I want the tension of being slightly un, unprepared. When I I you know I've done lectures that are five minutes to all day, uh, and I prepare it, but it is not memorized. Yep. I want the discovery in the moment. I may let's yep. say let's say I see uh, somebody in Starbucks that I want I want to go talk to. I am going to prepare what I'm going to go say to them. Uh -huh. But in the moment, I could change that completely because my preparation has become my fallback. Because yeah. I'm being bold, I'm saying in the moment, like what else? I got yeah. this. I could say those are those are really you know. Uh, amazing earrings that you have I see. that's my prep and i walk up and i notice she has amazing crystal blue eyes uh-huh now i can i can go that way because i i i have the comfort of being prepared but the tension of discovery mm, and i, I do that. that i do that on stage all the time and I, some of my best stuff happens on stage uh when I when I veer off script or if I react to something in the audience, I love questions from the audience, and and I'll go off on a tangent, and I'll just say, "Does anybody know where the heck I was?" And somebody knows. I love that that, that you know, like because I'll go off on I'll, I'll get sparked on some tangent and I'll cover it, and but I can't remember where the, where I was in the, in the lecture, and then somebody yells out, "Oh, you're talking about such and such," and I'm like, "Oh, great, thank you." There's a know-it-all always in the audience. You know, yeah, you're co-creating with them rather than yeah. being the guru yeah. who knows yeah. everything, who says perfect things. Well, at all and, times. and that's that's a, a speaker technique as well. Is instead of knowing everything, have the audience tell you something you already know, because mm -hmm. it suddenly they're they're engaged. They're like, "What? Whoa! I I might know this. I got to think about this." Um, Got it. So let me recap real quick. So what I'm taking away from what the point that you're making, you're not saying not to prepare. What I'm hearing is prepared, but don't be attached to whatever the point that you right. want to make. Leave room for spontaneity from the miraculous, from the magical moments, from the in the moment decisions that shows up. That's my takeaway from the point that you're making. Is that correct? Yeah. Preparation is the foundation for spontaneity. Beautiful. Okay. Uh, did you want to go through the pride altogether or should we move forward? It, well, that, so, so that's, that's one of those things. The next step is, it, so the pride method is the systematic way that you build your boldness muscle and do a bunch of the exercises in the book. But also when you're in a moment of, underconfidence because we have situational confidence we are confident in certain situations in our life and we are underconfident in other situations and it's different for everybody you may be able to walk into a room and meet everybody in the room and another and so you have situational confidence but one-on-one -on -one, you're too anxious maybe uh i've seen people like that there and whereas the rest of the people will go like oh a room full of people that's totally intimidating i like the one-on-one -on -one thing so mm. their situational confidence is everybody is different and everybody's different. The idea of being super bold is 
to radiate confidence in every situation, to, to, to know how to be bold even when you don't feel confident. Because this is the great paradox is you build your confidence by being taking bold action and being bold, mm -hmm. not waiting till you feel confident enough to be bold. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, an inter it's the opposite of what people think. Well, I can't really do that. I don't feel confident enough. And I say, that's why you're going to do it <laughs> to, to build the boldness because you're going to find out you didn't die, number one. And number two, you're going to get a little better at it mm -hmm. by doing it um, and, then, and then reflecting on it. And, so, and then what happens is your confidence expands. So the pride method is a five-step process, which is preparation, which we talked about. And I, I obviously go into much more detail on it. Relaxing which is understanding how to physically relax your body. Cause a lot of people don't have any idea how to do it, how to just release their physiology, like acknowledge the tension in their body and release it. And then just breathe, trust the power of breath. A lot of people, they get anxious. They stop breathing, which I'm sure on the African plane was very helpful when the saber tooth tiger was stalking us is our reflex is don't breathe very not helpful in social situations or or social anxiety situations you need air you need oxygen and so and but when you really do it the, you know and i talk about vibrating the vagus nerve and all of that stuff there's there's all, there's great techniques to almost instantaneously relax yourself and when you relax yourself you suddenly realize you can relax yourself. Just like when you notice you're nervous, you go, oh crap, I'm nervous, makes you more nervous, right? Mm -hmm. It spirals up. But as soon as you apply any technique to relax yourself, you say, wow, I'm, I'm actually in control of my state. I can relax myself, which relaxes you more. What's your go-to relaxation technique? If you, let's say, meeting whoever and then you notice you're nervous, what's your go-to technique to uh, back to my my number one technique is my physiology because I, I like it's I'm, I know I, I notice I'm doing something I'm like my body language is radiating how anxious I am and I'll just shake it shake it down like I'll I'll just release it um, mm. if I'm going on stage and it's like 5,000 people and I'm going wow this is uh, this is intense this is this is a big crowd here mm. um, I'll just do three deep breaths before I go on stage and mm -hmm. I'll just feel the settling. And then I just, and now I'm just energized. It's like, get me out there. Mm. And, you know, mm. any, any nervousness is now turned into power. Mm. Mm. And so, uh, but if you really, you know, the vagus breath vibrating the vagus nerve, which runs all down the center of your body and controls a lot of your autonomic nervous system. If you just, take three breaths and let them out slowly going ha and vibrating that nerve. I I'm abbreviating it, but you do mm -hmm. that. You'll be amazed at how much more relaxed you are in, in about 45 seconds, just doing mm -hmm. that three times. Cause the you've, you've taken control of your autonomic nervous system at that mm -hmm. moment. And it's, nobody teaches you that. Nobody taught me that in high school. I was just nervous all the time. Um, Relaxing. Uh, Actually, inside. can I share a couple of techniques since you're on, yeah, on yeah. that point sure, that, that may, may or may not be useful? So one thing that I do is uh, similar to you, activate the physiology. But then I'll visual, so I push against the wall, 
but I'll visualize I'm giving away all of my nervousness and all of my tension into the wall or into the ground. So that way it actually helps me not only relax my physiology, but also there's a meaning associated with it. And then that was very helpful to me whenever I can notice myself being nervous. Yeah, also, well, the, one of the funny things they tell speakers is just imagine you're naked on stage. And it's like, that doesn't work. That's a terrible thing to do. <laughs> imagine everybody else is naked. That might work. You know, uh, that might relax you. But Another thing is uh, there's a um, plant medicine called Mambe. I don't know if you ever had that before, but it's a very relaxing, has a very relaxing uh, effect. Uh, it's non-psychoactive. It's just a very relaxing effect on on the body. So you may want to give that a shot. Yeah. And it, it, when you create those things, if you create uh, a trigger effect of like, oh, I'm, I am relaxing myself. The first sip of that, you your body says, oh, I know what to do. I, I'm going to mm -hmm. relax, mm -hmm. uh, which is what you want. You want to start triggering that rather than triggering anxiety or nervousness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's relaxation. So, What's the third? Insights. And we talked mm -hmm. about some of them. But it's like having insights about yourself and social interaction. The big insight that bold people know is that people are not thinking about you anywhere near as much as you think they are. They're thinking about themselves. And so we spent, we think everybody's thinking about this and they remember that. And they, 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 we carried this embarrassment around for 15 years. And the people who are there going, I, I don't remember that. <laughs> but you know, you can still relive it and still refeel the embarrassment. They're not thinking about you. Stop worrying. Bold people have a handful of people whose opinions really matter to them. And then everybody else is a zero or a one, unless they're a potential customer or, mm -hmm. or somebody that, that they want to influence or that they, they are looking for some value from. You know, you, you, it should be your family, your spouse, your best friends and your mentors, your coaches. Those opinions should matter. The rest of the people, why? You know, when people say, oh, they're all going to laugh at me. I say, do you know them? Why would you care? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, bold people say, you know, other people's opinions of me are none of my business. And they just mm -hmm. they proceed on. And the more you can do that, the more you realize that you're attaching yourself to people who are having judgments about you, just like you're having about them. Remember, I talked about this. Are, are their judgments about you accurate? How could they possibly be accurate just by looking at you or hearing mm -hmm. the first thing you say? This could be the worst day of their life or the worst day of my life. And there's no reason to try to assess who I am by that. So, and the other what? insight we talked about is uh, nothing bad happens unless you decide to label it that way. Like we talked about things on stage. So I'm, what were you going to say? I was going to say uh, one quote from Dr. Seuss was super helpful to me. And paraphrase, those that matter won't mind. Those that might won't matter. Yes. So I really appreciate that thought. And that's continuing being a way to remind myself to really speak my mind to our earlier point. And obviously it takes skill to continue to do that more skillfully but um but that's the source of it you know just really you know seven billion people on earth most of them won't agree with me that that's okay what's more important is to find my tribe and then really speak my mind to my fullest potency and authenticity and those that 
resonates with my vibration, with my with my energy, will come to me and say, "Hey, I really like what you said." And I, I train people in speaking, uh, and one of the things I say is, whenever I have an audience. 5% of them will think I'm a complete idiot and 5% of them will think I'm the most brilliant person they've ever heard. They're both mm -hmm. wrong, mm -hmm. right? But they will exist. I will never, I will never change either of them. I'm working on the people who are open to some sort of insight or interpretation. And actually, if I get 10% of them to have an insight, that's home run for me. Mm. The rest of them, you know, they, they weren't ready for it. It'll hit them later or it'll never hit them or it won't matter. I, I'm not getting everybody. I don't, I'm not getting anywhere near everybody. Um, mm. If one person comes up to me at the end and said, I've waited all my life to hear this. I get it now. I get what I'm doing wrong with my life now. Mm. That's all. I don't, I, the other thousand people, I hope they got something, but I'm, I'm paid off. I, I'm golden. So, um, that and those, you know, and there's more insights I talk about in the book, but understanding people's opinions and understanding that nothing bad happens unless you decide to label it that way mm -hmm. will, will transform your boldness because you don't have to label that bold move going wrong as wrong. It's just a step up. Bold people look at failures as a step up. It's just mm -hmm. information. And that's, that's a powerful transformation. Then dosage is the D in the pride method. Really important is controlling the intensity of the experience. All of life is about dosage. You know, mm. take one aspirin, headache goes away. Take 100 aspirin, you're dead, right? <laughs> you, you can die from drinking too much water. That's right. Uh, you know, uh, which is essential to staying alive and we're 80% water. That's right. But the, everything... In, socially physically is about dosage you know if, if you're exercising if you work out if you do curls with three pounds you're never going to get any stronger you have to go to strain but if you try to do a bench press with 300 pounds and you've never lifted before it's going to fall on your chest cavity and crush you mm -hmm. so there's the do the dosage is is everywhere in life and it is everywhere in boldness as well as building your boldness muscle you start simply you start by smiling at people you start then by talking to strangers you start then by having a small conversation never being concerned about the on, uh, outcome so that when it matters which is what the my training is all about is so that you radiate confidence when it matters you take bold action when it matters because there will be windows of opportunity in your life and we hesitate and the window closes and it never opens again. And those very often are pivotal moments in our lives. Meeting that key person, accepting, quitting that job, asking for a divorce, whatever the hell it is, uh, you know, uh, asking for a raise, starting a business abandoning the business because the marketplace says we're not interested all, all these are these are all bold choices that that we make but we have to build the boldness muscle to take the action so quick when question there so quick question there i love that that you mentioned when it matters right when when the window opportunity opens that's that's really 
why we go to the gym. I, I, I think in one of your previous um, podcast interviews, you mentioned you don't go to the gym just in case, you know, a 300 pound something, you know, that you need it happens to, to be your on chest. your chest and you need to yeah, get it yeah. off your you, chest. You, yeah. you do it for the, for the moment when there's something you know, functional that happened, you need to lift 300 pounds. So that's a great way to think about it. So quick question, double clicking on that. For the overachievers, they look at Fred and say, Fred said he can speak in front of 5,000 people. And right now I have social anxiety. Let me make a quote unquote big hairy audacious goal of speaking in front of 5,000 people. And they try to do 5,000 people for a shot. And guess what? Oh, you know, debilitated by this anxiety, overdose. right? Yeah. Overdose. I'm such a yeah. failure. Let me yeah. just not think about speaking. That was forever, humiliating, ever. embarrassing, right. traumatic. Right. I get PTSD about speaking for the rest of my life. That's right. So, That's right. so in terms of setting goals, quote unquote, are you in the camp of big, hairy, audacious goals, or are you more in the incremental? Hey, meet. Go to wherever you're at and stretch yourself accordingly and then stretch yourself all the way up to 5,000. What's your uh, mental model when you think about um, setting appropriate goals? I, so I, I'm in both camps. I'm in, uh -huh. I, I believe in big, hairy, audacious goals, but don't believe for a second that just say, I'm going to speak and get up and do an affirmation every morning and say, I'm going to be speaking in front of 5,000 people mm -hmm. is going to make you capable of speaking in front of 5,000 people. You are going to have to build up. Mm -hmm. You could say my audacious goal is I'm going to run an ultra marathon. If you just don't do anything and then just wait till the one is scheduled, you're not going to finish. Okay. You're not even going to get close to finishing an ultra. You probably won't finish the 26.1 miles of a regular marathon um, without falling down and dying pretty mm -hmm. much. But <laughs> so it, I'm, I'm about like have audacious goals, believe you can make a huge impact on the world, mm -hmm. but know that it's, it starts with the first building that step, just like speaking. You start by that's Toastmasters brilliant for teaching you how to speak because you start speaking to a group of people that are all there encouraging you and mm -hmm. you're doing a five minute talk. Nobody's going to hire you to do a five minute talk, but you're controlling the dosage. So it doesn't overwhelm you. So you go five. That was easy. I can do 10. I can do 15. I'm mm -hmm. getting better at this. I'm feeling comfortable. I'm not tongue tied anymore. I, I you know, I, I, I've done lectures totally unprepared three hour lectures. Mm -hmm. They said, you know, we don't want you to do the topic you're talking about. Can you just do questions? Yeah, I'll do three hours of questions. Mm -hmm. um, because I've done it. Mm -hmm. I haven't done, you know, I didn't start by saying, I don't think I need to do a lecture. I'm just going to answer questions. And the audience goes, well, we don't have any questions. <laughs> so now what? Um, so you the, the controlling the dosage of the experience to build that boldness muscle till you're strong when it matters because it will matter there will be times when it matters and you do not want to hesitate hesitation is the opportunity killer so say more about that so self-doubt hesitation in a moment where a very attractive woman uh, or or man walks by and you want to have a quick moment of connection uh, I don't know if you ever experienced that, that moment passed and then you go, 
Ah oh, man, should have done oh, it. Oh yeah, I, right? I've lost track. I mean that that <laughs> that was one of the primary motivators for becoming boulders. I said like I can't miss any more of these opportunities because mm-hmm. what, you'll stand there and say I want to go talk to her. I want to go meet her, um, mm-hmm. and you stand there long enough, and somebody else walks over and talks to her. Mm-hmm. That's me now. I'm the one who walks over and talks to her while you're still thinking about it, but what what happens is you've built up in her mind that she's the most amazing person in the world and she could be your potential wife or whatever the heck it is that you're telling yourself so you've made it almost impossible to be relaxed mm-hmm. and you're wrong about mm-hmm. the, the, the odds of her being that person are like a thousand to one so what you should do to the dosage is Talk to anybody in the room. Talk to whatever woman you see in the room. Just walk up and introduce yourself to her. I pick out the wallflower in the room now. The mm. person who's 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 looking at the books or looking at the albums or like, you know, the album covers or whatever, or, you know, staring at the food buffet endlessly. I just <laughs> go introduce myself to them because mm. I used to be them. I want to mm. like pull them out and start introducing them to people and stuff. But it's you start with that simple increment so that you don't, you, you realize that your hesitation is the problem that you Mm. don't have to be confident. You just have to go. If you walk up to her, you got to say something. It's probably going to be wrong, but you're going to get better at it. And it doesn't matter because she's not the perfect person. Anyway, Mm -hmm. you're trying to get good at that. Because when the perfect person does happen to be there, you walk over and you've got game. You you talk like a normal person and have a normal conversation with her rather than, I, I really need to get to know you. You're so gorgeous <laughs> or whatever. It's like, what are you doing? Like, it's like, you know, your, your, your agenda is really clear. Uh, mm-hmm. You're desperate. Um, but, and, and, and that, you know, obviously it's a great example because it's, it's, you want to be able, this is one of the great things about boldness is to be able to meet anybody you want to meet. Doesn't necessarily mean like for dating, it's valuable, but if you're already married, it's not valuable. But if you're looking for, for, to find somebody, you want to expose yourself to a bunch of, now that's the wrong term, but I mean, you, you want to meet a variety of people so that when that person comes along that you might actually have a great connection with you can you can have a normal conversation Mm. but you also you see somebody really interesting that you want to meet maybe it's sir richard branson maybe it's jeff bezos maybe it's ken rutkowski you know whatever it is you (laughs) you see somebody and you say i want to go talk to him and instead of playing the unworthiness tape, which is what everybody does, right? I'm not, oh, he doesn't want to talk to me. I'm not interesting enough. I'm not successful enough. We, we, we got the 50 things we tell ourselves about why we should be hesitating. The bold person walks over and says, hey, really think you're doing amazing stuff with Amazon, but uh, I'm waiting for the drones. I want the drones. Mm-hmm. And Bezos goes, the, the drones are coming, buddy. The drones are coming. It's like, just, you know. Uh, are you a prime member? Well, yeah, I'm a prime member. Of course I'm a prime member, you know, and, and away you go having a conversation. Mm-hmm. And, and I have, I have met people I have admired 
incredibly and been able to let them know how much I admired them without being mm -hmm. a drooling fan and had <laughs> a really interesting conversation with them almost always, or just did a drive-by compliment. I've met actors that I really admire that I just was able to walk up and say, I, I just wanted to tell you how much I admire your work. I don't want to disturb you or draw attention to you, but um, I really appreciate all the work you've done. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know their name, don't do that because there's nothing more insulting than going up to an actor and going like, what's your name? You're that guy. And I was like, get the hell away from those people. Right. <laughs> That's, you know, like if you don't know their name, don't go up to them. Don't ask them yeah. who they are. Don't ask. Don't say you're that guy that was on Seinfeld once. What, what's your name? No, don't do that. Yeah. That um, means you, you're, you don't have permission to walk up to them. That's basically what you need to know. Yeah. So. The intention, the intention is different. Paying acknowledgement versus trying to get associated with that level. Well, of yeah. And which is, which is why, and every time I've met any of these people that I really wanted to meet, I have never asked for a selfie. You know why? Because mm -hmm. a selfie is just pretending you know them to mm -hmm. all your friends, which mm -hmm. you don't. Mm -hmm. But they're polite enough to stand next to you and smile. You're not buddies. They didn't mm -hmm. give you their number. Okay, mm -hmm. so why we're looking at FaceTime going like, oh, look at who he met. That's amazing. Like, no, it's not amazing. The person was just being nice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was. Um, so I met Ken back in 2012. Uh, when I was at the TED conference and being at the TED conference was a great teaching moment for me because I get to sit right next to Larry Page and then, you know, Seth Godin and Jeff Bezos, all those people. And it was really cool. I'm, I'm saying this not because I'm dropping names. I'm saying this because it's really cool to watch how human they are. Let's say at a regular party place when there's nothing going on, what people typically do is they just play with their drinks and standing very awkwardly by themselves yeah and that's normal people and then guess what those people they do the same thing yeah yeah <laughs> just, and, yeah, just, and human, so you like could just walk up to them and talk to them yeah just you know they're as awkward and perhaps even more so you know because they're all nerds and geeks you know growing up so it was uh it was uh really cool to actually like just humanizes these people that you I admire um, yeah, for the work that they do and uh, and then be be normal with them. Yeah. And, and these people, all of these people, they may have worked really hard at something, but they got lucky. They they found, you know, the right thing at the right time uh, and then and then worked it hard. But they're they still struggle. I mean, you know, Bezos has the most spectacular divorce in history, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. so uh richest man in the world for a while and somehow can't can't stay married so it's 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 you know again we're all just human beings trying to find our way and give everybody the space to do that uh and uh it will make a huge difference uh instead so, of judging so is like crazy is boldness experiments because primarily what we've been talking about is meeting people and having human interactions. Do they transfer to other things? So let's say I develop boldness muscle in interacting with people. Does that translate to my starting a business or, uh, you know, having a podcast, or whatever the thing that, 
you know, meeting the right partner in life? Does it? Well, we we talked about speaking. It takes boldness to say I I I want to be a speaker. It takes boldness to write a book and say, mm-hmm. look, I'm gonna, I think I can create something that people will wanna read. It takes boldness to start a business, to say, I, I'm gonna take these risks. I mean, it, if you don't, if you decide to play it safe your entire life, is that really what you want on your tombstone? He played it as safe as possible every day. Uh, that's, no, I, I wanna have tried stuff and, and succeeded at some of it, and knowing that I was going to fail at some of it, um, but but I didn't I didn't miss an opportunity because oh I, you know this I could fail at that I I you know I I was lucky enough to be bold in terms of adrenaline sort of stuff and I was able to translate it and say like I'm not afraid to bungee jump why am I afraid to get on stage mm. um, and and just say it's all in my head. Uh, and so whatever you're doing in life, whatever you're pursuing in life, if there isn't an element of risk that you're walking in that zone where it's like, I'm not safe, I'm not, I'm not, you know, ideal for this. And I don't have all the skills yet for this. That's how you get somewhere. You know, no, nobody who started a business runs that business exactly the way they started it. There's no way that that happens because the marketplace is going to tell you what what it wants and you're going to have to adjust to that marketplace and probably every year or two or three. I mean, you and I have grown up in an era where where businesses that seem like they would last forever are are going down the drain like General Electric or something like who could imagine that General Electric stock would be a bad buy? Uh, you know, five years ago. Um, but I mean, this is this is the cycle of life is, you know, we try, we take risks and bo- the, the more risks you take, the more payoffs you get. And it takes boldness to take risks. How, by, by definition, there's no guarantee that it's going to work. That's true. How, how do you evaluate uh, risk tolerances and, and, you know, real risk that may end you know, result in real death or death of a you know relationship or company whatever the the thing is versus risk that's um that's made up by the mind because you're not advocating just being foolish and hey there's right. a cliff I, I, and jump I mean, off the cliff right we that's could, not we it. could it's a different thing when you're starting a business there's you have to protect your downside risk you have to get as much help as you can to, to create and launch this business, this product or service without just saying, oh, I think everybody's going to love this. I'm just going to make this widget, uh, even though I don't know where I'm going to make it. Uh, but I'm going to I'm going to raise one hundred thousand dollars from my family uh, and then I'm going to see if I can pull it off. No, it's the that takes real preparation. You 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 don't want to learn on somebody else's dime. Uh, how to run a business uh, unless you're willing to do whatever it takes to make that business. The, the thing that, that two things that make business person successful, hunger and persistence. And mm-hmm. the, the persistence comes from the hunger. It's like, I got to make this work. The, uh, you know, I'm, I am hungry to make this work. And also uh, I'm committed. 
to make this work. You know, my I when I started my business, we got to the point where we had signed personally on so much debt that we had to make it work. You know, because you sign when you start a business, you sign personally on the lease, five year lease. Doesn't matter mm. if the business lasts two years, you're still paying the lease personally, or you're going personally bankrupt. So we had all of this stuff saying, we, we got to figure it out. So a lot of it is just committing. The boldness is saying, I am going to do whatever it takes to succeed. The was world's going to stop me. I'm not going to stop me. Was there ever a moment where you questioned you know, the faith on yourself or, you know, God or, you know, your community, your co-founders where it was tested, where you almost lost your faith? I was naive enough at the beginning to think I could do it no matter what. And then by the, by a certain point after surviving enough near death experiences of the business, you realize how that most likely you can pull out of it um, mm. just by showing up every day, not like saying, oh, this is, you know, worrying about it gets you done, it gets nothing done. Mm -hmm. So when you say, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to work the problem. I'm going to work this problem this day. And I, we just, it got to the point where we said, we're just going to keep showing up and trying to solve this crisis. And you solve enough of them and you say, wow, we can figure we will figure it out. I don't know how, but we will get up every morning together and figure it out. Mm. Um, so there was there was never a moment of of despair where I had to say, you know, am I crazy here? Like, should I be abandoning ship? And I mean, we got we got in some serious tight spots you know, mm -hmm. four or five of them over the years with some litigation and, and with over investing in during the dot-com boom, uh, mm -hmm. you know, we got $6 million in debt and we couldn't pay um, all of these TV stations. And, mm -hmm. but we had a re relationship with them that we said, look, we will absolutely pay you. It just won't be on time. And they trusted mm -hmm. us because we had a 10 year relationship with these stations. Mm -hmm. um, but it was, it's all just, and, and hey, sometimes the business tanks, it, you know, the marketplace shuts you down or a competitor tramples over you and you just, uh, it's information to start again some mm. other way. Mm. I love that. That's a very, very Zen, very Taoist uh, philosophy, just trusting the flow. Um, no, that's a beautiful thing to, to hear. I mean, part of the things that we talk about here on uh, Noble Warrior a lot is is um, you know plant medicine, and it allows the the dissipation of these illusions, the limiting beliefs that we have ourselves, and hence why I was asking the question, because you know when we hear people talk about their ups and downs of their business or relationship or personal health or whatever the thing is. It's, you know, we always are met with when, when our character is being tested. So hence the, that question of how you were able to continue to choose the right path, even though you were seriously tested by the circumstances or certain things like that. Well, it, it, in business, you eventually figure out there's no such thing as making the right decision or be thinking about it long enough to always make the right decision. Uh -huh. You decide and make the decision work. 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes it doesn't, but most, but it's most, there's no way that you're going to guarantee success. Mm-hmm. You have to try, you've got to step up. You've got to let the door lock behind you. You've got to burn the boats in the Harbor, whatever metaphor you want, <laughs> you've got to jump off the high board, whatever it is, and hope there's water in the pool and mm. flap your arms on the way down. Uh, that it's the, the beauty of life is risk. Mm. Say more about that. That's, uh, that's, that's beautifully said. Say more about that. We pursue comfort as a goal, whereas it's comfort is where you restore yourself. It's like going to sleep at night. So you wake up energized and can go through your day. Comfort is not the, the, the goal. It's a, it's a, it's a place. It's a launching pad for going out and taking risks and chasing your dreams. However, and they don't have to be big dreams. You could just say, my dream is to be the best parent, the best friend, you know, uh, the best speaker, you you know, the best crossing guard, whatever the heck it is. You you know, you, as, as long as you're doing everything you can to be your best, there's, there's going to be risk in that. There's going to be frustration in that. Um, and, but all of life is, you know, it's just getting to the point and saying, this is life. Life is polarity. Life is good and bad. And I I can appreciate the great stuff because some incredibly shitty things have happened to me. If it was, if, if I was comfortable all the time, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't know any joy. Mm -hmm. I would just know safety. Mm -hmm. And, and what happens is in, in almost everyone's life is that they discover that whatever security and safety they created is an illusion. Mm-hmm. Something will dissipate it at some point and we're all going to die. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, and we don't know when this is, mm-hmm. you know, I, Oh, I, this is, this is what I try to tell people more than anything. And it's hard to tell young people because they feel like they're going to live forever. But I, I, I say like, you know, we're all in this game of life, but we don't know how long the coach is going to let us play. Mm-hmm. so play full out you know mm-hmm. every day and and use comfort as a place to restore yourself not to say i just want to be comfortable and safe all the time because the the real joy comes from challenging yourself pushing yourself discovering things rolling with things rolling with the bad to discover what the good is on the other side mm. Even if I, I, a, a tiny example of this, but it, it just happened to me. Um, I got delayed on a connecting flight and thunderstorms and everything. They decided to cancel the flight and I had to spend the night in Washington, D.C. instead of going to Nashville where I was supposed to be going. And they couldn't get me out till five o'clock the next day. And I, I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm missing the whole first day of this seminar that I paid dearly for. And I ended up, you know, working on a whole bunch of stuff for the workshop in my hotel and then went out to Starbucks. So this really interesting woman just walked over and and said hi to her, just told her how, you know, great and summery she looked or something like that. 45 minutes later, I finally leave after this conversation. I am so grateful that. American Airlines canceled my flight because it was worth it to meet her. She was just an amazing person. And we had an amazing conversation. So instead of saying, 
my life sucks. American Airlines sucks. I miss this. And it's like, what's what's here to discover? Mm. How do I put myself in a new risky situation to see what I can discover? Yeah, that's where the joy in life comes from. I, I so appreciate that story. Thank you so much. I mean, I'm I literally put myself in situations to have serendipitous moments like that is engineer serendipity, right? Things like Burning Man or plant medicine ceremonies and things like that. Yep. Uh, you're a burner too, no? If I recall correctly. No, I have never been. Have what? Never been. Oh my gosh. Fred. I know. It's a, it's a, like, it, it's, it always you will love it. wrong. We, oh, I know. I know. It's you just, will love it. We have dental conventions at exactly the same time. It's ridiculous. Well, just, luckily, you're no longer in the dental industry yeah, anymore. I can do what I want. You can do what you want. It is happening. Um, well, we can take it offline, but yeah. <laughs> so, so, okay, let's talk about being bold on the internet because you went from direct marketing, direct response, right? 100 dentists to now yeah. building a personal brand as a, as an executive coach, as an author, uh, we can use the internet to be bold. So what are some of the ways that we can be bolder on the internet? Because, you know, case in point, some people really speak their mind and create polarized reactions and boom, they went viral. Um, so the opportunity to receive attention on the internet is there. So what are some of the ways that we can be more bold to be ourselves and also attract the kind of the right tribe, the audience that resonates with who we really are? Any suggestions on being bold on the internet? you have to get comfortable talking to camera. A lot of people that's really hard for them to make a video. There's other people that it's really easy. And obviously they become big influencers with just showing people how to put on makeup or something like that. But more and more that video is becoming the medium that everybody pays attention to. So you're going to have to figure out how you can express yourself talking to a camera and you're going to suck at it. Okay. You're, you're, you're going to put out stuff or you're going to, but you're going to think, Oh, this might work out well, or I, I keep trying it and it's nothing I ever want to put out, but work at it every day. But we didn't mention the E in the pride method, which is everyday oh, yes. action, mm -hmm. everyday action. If you, if something's important to you to achieve, work on it every day, get to it every day. I don't want to belabor this point too much, but this is a life skill. If it matters, get to it. If you love your wife, do something charming, romantic, complimentary every day. If, if, if you want to get good at piano, play five minutes every day, learn a language five minutes every day, it will aggregate. And your brain says, I guess we're going to do this. And you won't have, you won't need the willpower to start it. You won't have to tap that because you're just going to do it. But your boldness muscle will build when you get to it every day. Do make a bold action every day. Um, mm. And it, it relates to what we were just talking about. So uh, because what you do every day matters. I love it. What's, what's, what's your new bold super bold habit that you're doing these days it is um it, it you know it relates directly to this it is in building my personal brand uh 
I am trying to do at least one TikTok a day, um, but ideally three. And wow. nobody's going to, nobody's following it. Nobody's looking at it. Nobody cares, but it's where the puck is going. Mm-hmm. And I want to be, instead of being behind it and trying to do Facebook now where people are abandoning it by the millions mm-hmm. is like, how, how do I get good at this medium mm-hmm. and understand how the, that medium is evolving because it's constantly all of these mediums evolve. And now I'm saying the word mediums, which is not correct. Makes correct. me crazy. Media, media, yeah. mediums are those people with the funny hats that can. Yeah, I got, crystal you. Ball. So, I got you. But that, so that's, that's what I'm doing. As I'm telling people, you're going to get good at video. I've done tons of video courses and things like that and podcasts and, and webinars, but really short stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a new skill for me. Short form video. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. uh, that's, that's where you get trained on TikTok. But if you have to do it every day, then you say, what happens is in the back of your mind, you're working on it. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you discover something in the course of the day. Cause your brain says, I guess we got to do this today. So something pops up. If you do it, when you, you say, I'm only, I'm going to do a video when I think of a really good one, you know what? You'll do like three a year, mm-hmm. but if you got to do one every day, you'll do 360 and 10 of them will be interesting. Mm-hmm. But next year, 50 of them will be interesting. Mm-hmm. And the year after a hundred. Mm. So you're, you're prepared to devote this a, a, yes. a video a day for five years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Who, or, and by who knows if five years is too long, it'll be uh-huh. TikTok could be gone by then. You know. Yeah, but nonetheless, you're uh, honing yeah. your skill to tell short form stories, right? Yeah. Um, hey, for those that are eager to get Fred's book, you go to genie.us forward slash capital S super bold, genie, genius super bold. That's where you can get directly linked to his book. Fred, is there, a, before I acknowledge you to close off, is there any last word? Any last question, any last topic that I hadn't asked you that you really wanted to say to our people? Uh, I always like to end with the thought that the only person you need permission from to have the life you want is you. The only person you need permission from to have the most exciting, adventurous, pain-filled, love-filled challenging, satisfying life. The only person you need permission from is you. Don't wait for somebody else to give you permission. Mm. Wise words. Hey, Fred, um, I didn't say this in the very beginning, but I actually read your Everything is Marketing book. Oh, wow. And I, I looked at 1-800 Dentists as a model when I was thinking about my first business. That business didn't go anywhere because, wow. you know, the internet happened, all these things, the cost of leads were too high, but 1-800 Dentist was a model for me to look at. So I actually am familiar with your work and it's so cool to talk to you after, was it 10 years or yeah. so when I was studying that. So, and thank you for your sincerity, for your earnestness to really make a difference in people so that they can be more bold and make that transformation from 
being someone who is socially anxious to someone who is uber confident, super bold, and, and yes. really being out there and creating the life that they deserve. So thank you so much for being here on Noble Warrior. Thanks for having me, CK. Beautiful.